a question I'd just like you to think about a little bit. And that's, how do you make a good Samaritan? Very familiar image, right, from today's gospel parable, good Samaritan, she's a good Samaritan, he's a good Samaritan. How are good Samaritans actually made or shaped? Okay, we'll put that one aside for a minute. I had the privilege recently of sitting on a panel. The uh, archdiocese, uh, not ours, another archdiocese, was wanting to know how do we catechize people better? Lots of people are leaving the church. Lots of Catholics are leaving the church. That's no secret. And it's often said, you know, how are we going to reach these people? How do we connect with them or reconnect with them? How do we teach them the truths of the faith in a way that they're going to actually take them in and live them out? So what they did is they just brought in a whole range of people. Now, some of you maybe are in marketing as a profession. Uh, I was schooled on this, it fascinated me, but big marketing firms have a pool of people who agree to be interviewed in little focus groups for all kinds of things. They don't sign up for a particular topic. You just go into this pool and you may get asked what you're feeling about laundry detergent, you may get asked what you think about potato chips, or you may get asked what do you think about the Catholic Church? And that's how this group came together. All they had to do to be selected was to self-identify as a Catholic. But these are people who, and obviously they get a small stipend for doing this, they get asked all kinds of things for all different sorts of reasons. This group coming together is because this diocese contracted with the marketing firm and said, we just want to see a range of self-identified Catholics. And they came in, all well, not all generations, from Gen Z up to Gen X. So... I guess the boomers, you know, you got it all figured out. They didn't ask you much. But so they brought him in, male, female, you know, as you can imagine a marketing firm, they go to great lengths to try and make the, the group as representative as possible. But what was fascinating, so there was an interviewer, let me just say, an interviewer was with the interviewee, and then I was with a group of about five others. And this was kind of creepy because we were on the other side of one of those two-way mirrors. But the person knew they were being observed. They just didn't want to have a whole pack of people around them. But what was fascinating as, you know, questions were asked, um, to be brutally honest, even the ones who were, well, they had all been raised Catholic to some degree, some of them Catholic school all the way through college, others not Catholic school, were in church a little bit, some their families were involved, others not so much. But again, to be brutally honest, there wasn't necessarily a lot of comfort or familiarity with some of the language and the customs that probably most of us here, because I see lots of familiar faces, that we've grown up with. Um, some of them referred to the Mass as, you know, that time when you come together and you get the bread and the wine and the priest gives a talk. Um, others had a sort of rough idea of what the Stations of the Cross were, but they didn't know that's what they were called and didn't really know what they were about. And then some of the questions very explicitly were about Jesus. You know, well, what do you think about Jesus? And I'd say about 60% of the interviewees said God is what mattered to them. They knew Jesus, but Jesus wasn't really someone kind of central to where they were. Okay, so all these, you know, conversations are going on. Afterwards, we're all supposed to get together and debrief. And there was a lot of hand-wringing. What are we going to do? These people don't know about Jesus. How do we teach people about this? 
importance of Jesus? Well, what kind of program does the diocese need to hatch? What stuck out, and we were all in agreement about this, there was one young woman, 22 years old, came in, and she was the mother, a single mother, of a two-year-old herself. And she'd been abused as a child, just an incredibly rough life. But she comes in, and they're talking, and no, she didn't have a lot of the Catholic Church language. She didn't have a lot necessarily to say in an educated way about Jesus, who Jesus is. But at one time, the interviewer asked, you know, well, how do you understand that, you know, Jesus lived and died for us, for our sins? And then Squill thought for a minute, and she said, and this was a direct quote, and it blew us all away on the other side of our secret mirror. She said, I never really saw how beautiful life is until I created it myself. Now, we could jump in and say, well, you didn't create the life. I get all of that. But there was something in that line that was just so incredibly beautiful, yes, but profound. That here was someone who had maybe every reason to say, life seems to be expendable. Life isn't often appreciated. Innocent people can be treated horribly. And I never realized the value of my own life until I created life myself, this single mother of a two-year-old child. I'm mentioning all of this. The question we were all there to try and answer is, well, what do you do? How do we reach people who've left? How do we re-catechize? How do we get these messages across? And it's one thing to have a beautiful message, beautifully delivered even packaged in a way that seemingly is directed towards the audience very carefully. But that doesn't mean it's going to be received. How is the message received? How do you make a good Samaritan? And I'd like to suggest that what you get out of the parable of the Good Samaritan is what we all saw in that young single mother who had this profound insight into the beauty of human life, her own and others, when she was able to create it. And of course, that meant carrying that child to term and holding her and all the sacrifice that would go into someone in her situation trying to raise a child in this world. And she was incredibly humble and didn't go on about the struggles that she was having trying to raise the child by herself. But while all the other interviewees were there, they came out of work or whatever for a little bit, this young woman had to go to extraordinary lengths to be able to be there. And when she would go back, that child was waiting for her and whatever difficulties or struggles she had to keep her happy and raise her well, those would be waiting for her. What do you see in the Good Samaritan? What does he do that the others don't? And the others, they'd been taught well, they knew the commandments and all the rest of it. What the Samaritan does is encounter that guy who had beaten up by the robbers. He encounters him. He literally bends down, looks at him, takes him in his arms. And the priest and the Levite, they don't do that. But notice, they don't encounter the Samaritan. They literally go to the other side of the street. So what they're doing is they're setting things up so that they will not encounter this man. 
There's a little bit of an encounter. They see him there in the road, and then their mind, but especially their heart, has to make a decision. What am I going to do? They didn't have to go to the other side of the road. I've passed up plenty of needy people, and I was this close to them. But to go to the other side of the road is to even more guarantee that there would be no encounter. There would be no eye-to-eye looking. There would be no sense of, this is a human being, like myself. And I could have been there. And would I want someone to engage with me? For lots of different reasons, the people we were listening to be interviewed, for lots of different reasons, they had all different kinds of encounters, but there was one particular person who had an encounter that just couldn't be avoided or escaped. And you saw it in this young mother's mind, in her heart, in her answers. I'm not trying to suggest that the others didn't have something for themselves as well, but she was tuned into it, that she could talk about it, she could articulate it. When the young lawyer goes to Jesus, yes, it's an encounter, but what's his motivation? To test him, right? So it's an encounter with a footnote that says, you know, this isn't really an authentic entering in. But it is an encounter, it's a start. And that's, I think, an invitation to all of us to put ourselves in the situation where we will encounter another. We can go to work in one way, we can go to work in the other way. We know the people we're with. We know with whom we can start a conversation or make a little inquiry. We can be in our families in one way or another way. Even the people we live with, we can avoid authentic encounter. If we're trying, we know that. The beauty of the children here who are being held in arms or sitting right by their moms and dads, they may not be reflecting on it, but what's happening is they are being formed and informed and prepared so that when the lesson does come along, it has a place to be received and sit and grow. And for the parents who are with them, you could say much better than I could how your own hearts are formed and shaped by the sacrificial love that you give to your children and your families. The first reading talks about the fact that everything we need is already written on our heart. It doesn't have to be spoken to us. Well, we have to hear it in some ways, but if we're going to receive it, that something inside of us that's on our heart needs to be brought to life. It needs to be awakened. And I think if the parable of the Good Samaritan says anything, it's that the way you prepare your heart to receive is through lots and lots of encounter. Because we're wired for compassion. I don't want to be naive. We don't always act compassionately. And the horrors we inflict on each other sometimes take away from us the ability to act compassionately. But that's no reason not to keep on trying. We prepare our hearts to receive through authentic and real encounter. And at the end of that little exercise with the marketing firm, I could almost imagine Jesus' voice echoing from the parable today. So, observers behind the two-way mirror, which of all these people is most prepared is most prepared to be catechized, to receive the truths of the faith. And without a hesitation, we all would have answered the same way. That young mother who gave so much and gives so much to love her child that she, quote, created. And then Jesus saying, 
then go and do the same.